Welcome to Canusa Street, a podcast at the intersection of the issues and policies between Canada and the United States. Here are your hosts, Scotty Greenwood and Chris Sands. Welcome back to Canusa Street, everybody. I'm Scotty Greenwood with the Canadian American Business Council, and I'm joined by the one and only Chris Sands of the Woodrow Wilson Center. Hello, Chris. Hello, Scotty. Uh, great to see you, and great to see you at Wilson today. It's great to be at the Wilson Center today, and I'm excited about today's podcast because we are borrowing excellent content that you guys produced uh, that is a preview of the 10th North American Leaders Summit. As we record this sitting in Washington, D.C., Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada, President Biden of the United States are headed to Mexico City, and they're going to have a Leaders Summit down there. There's going to be a lot of coverage of it, and you organized uh, quite an interesting dialogue, both a Chatham House dialogue and an on-the-record live stream. So we're lucky enough to share with our listeners a live stream. Do you want to talk about it a little bit, and then we'll launch right into it? Sure, absolutely. And um, Scotty, this is in the spirit. We just came off of the holidays of re-gifting. We're just <laughs> giving right. this to our Canusa Street audience, but we've had it at the Wilson Center. And Way better than fruitcake, though, I have to say. <laughs> Very better than fruitcake. Although, my wife would say the English and British fruitcake is a different animal. Um, <laughs> That's right. However, but in North America, in North America, we re-gift content. Content, exactly. And this was a conversation that we had with Ambassador Brian Nichols. And Brian Nichols is uh, the Assistant Secretary of State for the Western Hemisphere at the U.S. Department of State. He is in charge of North America, South America, the Caribbean, and all the places in between within the State Department structure, and was involved in both the preparation of the Summit of the Americas earlier this year, which we talked about on the podcast and now has been in in charge of preparing the president for this upcoming summit. Uh, He's somebody who's been a career diplomat. He's served in Colombia. He served in Mexico. He served in Peru. Um, He served in Zimbabwe and had a couple of global roles. So really a a great person to bring into the conversation. And we were delighted to have him here at the Wilson Center and now share him with the Canusa Street audience. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting for for our listeners to join. And for people that are paying very close attention to the details, uh, one of the guests that you didn't have um, was Juan Sebastian Gonzalez. So he was advertised. So I want want to have um, some disclosure here. He's the special assistant to the president and the National Security Council Senior Director for the Western Hemisphere at the White House. But he has a good excuse. He didn't come to brief us today because he was briefing President Biden today on this very same issue. So maybe we will have him back, but it was terrific that that you had Ambassador Nichols. And with that, why don't we turn it over uh, to you uh, for for the broadcast? Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Christopher Sands, and I'm a director of the Canada Institute here, one of the two North American institutes at the Wilson Center. I'm very pleased to be here in conjunction with my partner in, in good and in crime, Andrew Rudman, who's director of the Mexico Institute. We're very pleased today to be able to host a preview of the North American Leaders Summit taking place on Monday and Tuesday of next week. Um, and it is my honor to be able to introduce to you um, someone very important, uh, Ambassador Mark Green. Many of you will know Ambassador Green has the kind of CV that even makes people who live in Washington jealous, a member of Congress, a member of cabinet as head of the USAID. He served as a member of the Millennium Challenge Corporation Board, as president and CEO of the International Republican Institute, of the McCain Institute. He has been um, a 
champion of democracy, a champion of American foreign policy and American foreign policy values, and is now president and CEO of the Woodrow Wilson Center. And it's my honor to turn the podium over to you, Ambassador Green, to introduce our speaker. Thanks, Chris, for that uh, overly generous introduction. I appreciate it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in 2005, President George W. Bush invited the President of Mexico and the Prime Minister of Canada to his beloved ranch in Texas for a frank yet optimistic conversation about the neighborhood and its future. And the North American Leaders Summit was born. And to his great credit, President Biden has revived this annual gathering. He did so in 2021. And uh, he brought in Prime Minister Trudeau and this year's summit host, President Lopez Obrador. On the occasion of 2021, President Biden said this about the summit's purpose. It's about what we can do in partnership and mutual respect to strengthen our region and to prove that democracies can deliver in the second quarter of the 21st century, including by increasing supply chain resilience and reliance worker protections, improving cybersecurity, and helping small and medium businesses thrive here in North America. This 10th summit underscores the recognition by these three leaders that there are issues confronting our governments, our countries, and our peoples that must be addressed collectively, that can only be addressed collectively. If we're going to share in the prosperity to which we are all entitled if we're going to tap into the opportunity that there is throughout this region. The agenda for next week's meeting includes diversity and inclusion, environmental challenges and climate catastrophes, economic competitiveness, migration, health, and security. These are complicated topics. They do not respect geographic boundaries or nationalities. Collective action from our three governments and leaders like those who are here today is the best way to respond to these threats and to capitalize in the opportunities that I think we all see. Over the past year, the scholars of the Wilson Center have conducted research in all of these topics. In our two institutes dedicated to North America, Canada and the Mexico Institute, while they're each preeminent with their portfolio and in their sector, when they come together, to take on those cross-cutting issues like issues on the implementation of USMCA. Well, from my perspective, that's golden. That's as good as it gets. Because of this work, because of the importance of these issues, our guest today is regularly cited in conversations and publications here at the Wilson Center. And I promise nearly always in polite language, nearly always, all kidding aside, we are delighted to welcome again in person for a preview of the North American Leaders Summit, my friend, Ambassador Brian Nichols. We're excited to hear what he expects will happen when the leaders get together on Monday and Tuesday, what are the issues that he believes emerge, will emerge, and what are some of the answers that we hope will come out of this sessions. Uh, my friend is the Assistant Secretary for Western Hemispheric Affairs, and he is truly a diplomatic all-star. He has served as ambassador to Zimbabwe, ambassador to Peru. His career in the Foreign Service has included senior posts at U.S. embassies in Colombia, El Salvador, Indonesia, and Mexico as well. Uh, he has always been generous with his time, and so we are delighted to have him. Ambassador, you know the world, and you also know where you come from, U.S. 
in the North American neighborhood. Thank you for being here, and I will turn the floor over to you. Thank you, Brian. So, uh, Ambassador Green has um, eloquently uh, summed up the North American Leaders Summit, so thanks very much. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a really um, important moment for our region, uh, for our hemisphere, and the heart of our hemisphere is North America and the relationship that we have with Mexico and Canada, our, our two largest trading partners, and we are their largest trading partner. And obviously, the familial and cultural ties between our countries run incredibly deep. The resumption of the NALS process, as Ambassador Green um, mentioned, um, with the ninth North American Leaders Summit in Washington with the three leaders pledged to end the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, advance global health, foster competitiveness, create conditions for equitable and sustainable growth, address migration, and promote development in the most marginalized communities took place a little over a year ago. The accomplishments from that conversation between our leaders, that engagement, uh, and the really dynamic effort at a whole of government level um, produced uh, some 40 concrete outcomes. And I'm going to go through them, not all 40, but just to give you a, a sense, uh, because I think it matters where we're building from uh, and not just uh, let you think that it's all emerging uh, from our, our collective forehead uh, on Monday. So the last North American Leaders Summit, um, the leaders agreed to advance global health with the North American Plan for Animal and Pandemic Influenza, uh, which launched a North America Pandemic Supply Chain Dialogue and facilitated access to medical countermeasures and other critical supplies to respond to the current and future health crises. To foster North American competitiveness, we strengthen small and medium enterprise linkages by creating a network of SME experts across North America to share best practices on mentorship and training and to consolidate SMEs for trade and export. To raise climate ambition, we enhance cooperation on the clean energy transition by identifying and promoting policy and regulatory tools, enhancing supply chains, convening stakeholders, developing border infrastructure, and electrifying government fleets and public transport. To create the conditions for inclusive equitable growth, we advocated the prevention and response to violence against indigenous women, girls, in two-spirit and gender-diverse people. This included a meeting of Indigenous women leaders in preparation for the fourth trilateral working group on violence against Indigenous women and girls. To increase coordination on migration, development, and security, USAID, Global Affairs Canada, and the Mexican Agency for International Development and Cooperation, AMEXID, developed an action plan on shared development activities in Central America. We are establishing a trilateral partnership to address the root causes of irregular migration and forced displacement using a human rights-centered approach. 
To advance equity and racial justice, we participated in ongoing trilateral engagement to work towards the development of a North American partnership for racial equity and inclusion. So, Monday, what are we doing? Well, Sunday, we're flying down there. Monday, um, Mexican President Lopez Obrador will host President Biden, Prime Minister Trudeau for the 10th North American Leaders Summit. Uh, the three leaders uh, will meet together on Monday to promote a common vision for North America. Uh, and then uh, we will have separate meetings uh, between uh, the leaders bilaterally. Uh, President Biden meeting with Prime Minister Trudeau and President Lopez Obrador. The leaders will have a, a very uh, intimate dinner between the three of them with their spouses. And um, they'll, in addition to the uh, sort of formal, larger engagements, they really will have an opportunity uh, to um, share ideas and concerns, uh, much in the way that Mark. Um, described that first summit, which was a very uh, much smaller, intimate affair, and it's grown over time, but there are opportunities to have those, those very um, uh, casual and, uh, and private conversations. So uh, our three countries have uh, agreed on deliverables across six pillars for this year's analysis. And uh, those include diversity, equity, and inclusion, climate and environment, competitiveness, migration and development, health, and regional security. So President Biden will follow up last year's robust announcements with new initiatives and announcements across a broad range of issues, which will include deepening and expanding our security cooperation to combat drug trafficking through the North American Drug Dialogue, including efforts to increase information sharing on precursor chemicals and strengthening our public health approaches for prevention, harm reduction, treatment, and recovery services. We will promote labor mobility, recognizing the region's potential as one of the most important labor markets on a global level. We will redouble efforts to address climate and environmental challenges by undertaking efforts to reduce methane emissions in the waste sector and decarbonize public transportation. We will work together to strengthen and expand North American supply chains for semiconductors, critical minerals, and electric vehicle batteries. And we will take additional steps to jointly address irregular migration in the region, including through continued implementation of the principles outlined in the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection, particularly expanding legal pathways. And I'm sure all of you have uh, been following the announcement that came out yesterday from the White House in that regard. These investments in North America benefit the United States, and by taking advantage of the game-changing legislation under the Biden administration, including the Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS Act and the Science Act, well, CHIPS and Science Act, excuse me, President Biden will use NOWS to keep driving North America's economic competitiveness and promote inclusive growth and prosperity. Um, this is an exciting moment in our relationship. We're moving forward uh, across uh, a broad set of issues, uh, and I look forward to answering your questions uh, and having a conversation about the nows and about our, our shared future in the region.
it's it's me again, Chris Sands, but I'm going to just moderate and hopefully get all the questions in. We know that there are at least 450 people signed up to be watching this live streaming, so hello to all of you. Um, so it's a bigger crowd than it seems. I hope you don't feel too nervous. Um, we'll take questions. Not until now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, sorry. I'm screwing this job up already. Um, I have a question for the young lady over there. Thank you so much. Scotty Greenwood, Canadian American Business Council. Thank you for the presentation. Thank you, Wilson, for hosting. Uh, you mentioned labor mobility. Um, and one of the things from a Canada-US perspective about getting back and forth across the border that has actually been a step backwards from our perspective in recent years is um, a disagreement between Canada and the United States about Nexus, the Trusted Traveler program. Um, and I wonder if you have any thoughts about uh, where we are with Nexus. I know a lot of members of Congress, once they get their speaker elected, are going get, to get back together and talk to the administration about that. But I wanted, wanted to know about if you have any thoughts about that particular Trusted Traveler program or Trusted Travel generally between Canada and the United States and Mexico as a part of mobility, not, not really labor mobility like you talked, but mobility generally. Also, unrelated, I haven't heard any mention of, and I just wonder if anybody's thinking about it, uh, for North America, regulatory cooperation. That's something that has been on the agenda um, at various bilats and trilats, and I wonder if anybody's talking about that at this particular round or not. Thanks. Thanks very much. So um, the Nexus program and uh, trusted traveler programs broadly uh, are important uh, in facilitating um, travel across our shared borders. Um, the Nexus program provides benefit to the Canadian traveler and to uh, Americans by allowing Canadians to easily enter the United States to um, engage in commerce, buy our goods, uh, go to border cities and see the giant box retailers right on the border. You recognize that we have uh, um, a great friend in Canada. Um, so the, the issue with uh, Nexus uh, is one that we hope that we can solve. It's, uh, and I think we're, we're making important progress. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security leads those conversations. And, and just to be clear, the issue is the privileges and immunities for the uh, DHS employees who would work at the Nexus enrollment centers in Canada. Uh, and uh, the uh, right now, there's a, a difference of opinion, shall we say, on um, how that would be implemented and, and making sure that that uh, our uh, U.S. government employees uh, at those centers receive, receive the same privileges and immunities that um, people uh, receive uh, at pre-clearance facilities at airports, for example. Uh, the uh, Those conversations are ongoing between um the Canadian government and, and DHS. We hope that those will be resolved um, quickly. Uh, it's important for both our countries. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm optimistic that this will be resolved. The um, turning to the regulatory harmonization issue, uh, that is one where uh, it is. Um, at the heart of some of the conversations that we have um, about our shared uh, prosperity, promoting our shared prosperity and competitiveness uh, in our hemisphere. Um, 
we will soon be able to um, announce more details for America's Partnership for Economic Prosperity, which President Biden um, announced during the Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles uh, last summer. Uh, but central to our conversations with our Mexican and uh, Canadian partners, uh, as well as more broadly in promoting economic growth and prosperity in our hemisphere, is uh, regulatory harmonization. And uh, it will be particularly important as we look at um, the continued integration of our supply chains in North America, where we have the most integrated supply chains in our hemisphere. And I would argue um, the only real rival to that level of integration is the European Union. Uh, so uh, we recognize this is a, a, an opportunity that has not been fully realized in terms of uh, the uh, regulatory harmonization, and we want to take advantage of, of that opportunity uh, to promote greater growth, good-paying jobs, uh, and um, economic security uh, for the, the people of our region. Hi, I'm Emily Meredith. I'm a reporter with Energy Intelligence. Um, and you mentioned climate and environment is one of the pillars for the summit um, next week. There's this ongoing dispute under the USMCA um, over the Lopez Obrador government's approach to electricity and energy sector reforms and permitting issues that have affected US companies. So can you talk a bit about how this dispute interacts with those um, climate and energy goals that you have for the summit and whether or not you expect any breakthroughs um, on the dispute or, or the US might move towards an arbitration panel? So we're very much um, engaged in a, a process of technical and export level conversations between um, U.S. trade representative and the Mexican counterpart. Um, the, uh, those conversations are in their own separate channel. Um, that's part of the U.S. MCA dispute resolution process. The United States, Mexico, and Canada have each availed themselves of this mechanism in other opportunities in the past uh, with regard to each of the other countries. So this is not a new or unique feature, um, but it, it does uh, run in its own sort of technical uh, channel. I would say broadly about uh, energy and particularly um, the, how energy intersects with climate and uh, renewables, um, we see tremendous opportunities uh, between Mexico, the United States, and Canada in uh, renewable energy integration. Um, there's a major investment that Mexico's carrying out in solar energy and renewables in Sonora. Um, Mexico also produces lithium, uh, and in terms of our relationship with Canada, uh, the Canadian Northwest uh, is a great source of hydroelectric power uh, for the Canada and the United States, uh, and we're in the process of renegotiating the Columbia River Treaty, uh, which will govern that process with Canada. Collectively, uh, our 
engagement and climate on climate issues and renewable energy, I think, uh, not only reflects the commitment of each of, each of the leaders to um, a, a greener, more sustainable future, but also um, the really unique opportunities that we have in North America to make that a reality. And I know that the leaders are very excited to talk about that issue in Mexico City on, on Monday and Tuesday. I have a question from the young lady here on this side, and then uh, we'll come around to you, gentlemen, next there. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Hi, Kat Robinson with Pfizer. Thank you to the Wilson Center, the two institutes for hosting this, and to the uh, Assistant Secretary for making time. I'm sure he's uh, scrambling to get ready uh, for, for the summit next week. Uh, Assistant Secretary, I was just uh, wondering if you could um, elaborate a little bit more. You mentioned that health was one of the six pillars and wanted to understand a little bit more. What are the deliverables specifically on health? What is it focused on? And then secondly, is it related to supply chains when you mentioned mentioned looking to expand and strengthen supply chains and critical minerals, um, chips, et cetera. I didn't hear pharmaceuticals mentioned, but I know in the previous summit, pharmaceuticals was on the agenda. So I would just appreciate any further detail there. Thank you. Well, I, w one of the things that um, has made the preparation for this summit uh, more pleasant than the preparation for the preceding iteration is that we set the, the groundwork, and I talked about that uh, somewhat in my opening remarks, and uh, pandemic response and healthcare um, is, is something that the leaders really focused on uh, in 2021. And this summit, it's an opportunity to reinforce that message that we need to be prepared to address uh, the um, not only the it's still not over pandemic, uh, as well as future pandemics. Uh, you know, I've seen reporting on new variants. Um, obviously, we're following with great interest the situation in, uh, in China w with their policies, which means that, uh, and sort of collectively, um, that means that the world has to be attentive to um, these global health concerns. Beyond the um, issue of pharmaceuticals and vaccines, there's also many other medical supply chain issues that uh, will form part of our conversations. And I would also refer you back to the announcements and, and pillars that came out of the Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles, where there was extensive uh, conversation about uh, these issues and our hemispheric-wide efforts to uh, integrate health supply chains, ensure training of health workers across our hemisphere, access to vaccines and other necessary pharmaceuticals. And that, uh, that effort continues apace. I look forward, I think, next week to the uh, swearing in of a new uh, director of the Pan American Health Organization, uh, and that will be a, a, an early topic for us to engage with the new leadership at Pahoa. Excellent. Uh, gentlemen yep. here. Ambassador, thank you for your time. Um, some people, as you mentioned, uh, talk or um, describe the policy that was presented yesterday by the uh, White House as the first comprehensive strategy to manage the border. But those same voices uh, mentioned that this policy relies um, heavily on the Title 42. 
Uh, I was wondering if, uh, with your conversation with the Mexican counterparts, um, the Mexican uh, side request anything to manage the uh, migrants that are going to be expelled under this title and your personal views. Uh, do you think that the U.S. Uh, policy border should rely on a health order to enforce the law? So, um, so the first thing that I would say is the Biden administration is deeply committed to a legal, orderly, safe migration and managing our border in a way that does not put people at risk and allowing um, legal pathways for people to migrate to and work in the United States and in other countries. And that's a conversation we have with both uh, our Canadian and our Mexican counterparts. Um, they have both been exceptionally um, supportive and creative in their own acceptance of migrants, um, whether Canada, and, and they've done extraordinary things to receive Afghan and Ukrainian migrants as well as migrants from our own hemisphere, uh, as well as Mexico, which has um, done extraordinary things uh, to provide humanitarian support to migrants within their territory. Um, both countries work with us extensively to share information Uh, the announcement that was made yesterday, which provides new legal pathways, the website is up. It's working. Um, thousands of people have already applied, and you know, it's been a day. Uh, the, the application is free. There's no cost. That comes in contrast to people playing uh, migrant smugglers, polleros, Coyotes, you can use whatever term you want. Um, you know, thousands of dollars uh, for a risky uh, journey with no guarantee of entry into the United States and more likely um, the risk of uh, suffering crime, injury, attack, uh, and eventually ending up deported back to your home country. So um, I think that the, uh, the policies that the president has announced uh, will provide legal pathways for some 30,000 people a month from countries where there's a significant demand. Uh, and um, that will prevent people from putting their lives at risk through a perilous journey Uh, often trying to, to navigate the Darien Gap. Uh, and, uh, you know, I feel that um, this is an important step forward in orderly and safe migration management and giving people uh, the opportunity to fill needed jobs in our country. Uh, and I also believe that as this uh, conversation on migration takes place, we have to keep in mind that it's taking place within the context of Um, unprecedented levels of migration throughout our hemisphere and globally. Never in human history have more migrants been on the move than they are right now. And this is a challenge not only for the United States, uh, but a challenge for Mexico, Canada, the countries of Central America. Um, you know, we've had this conversation before about the challenges uh, in South America where um, multiple countries have over a million migrants in them, whether it's Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, 
Um, so this is something that collectively as a hemisphere and globally we will continue to work on, uh, building on the structure of the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection. And I know that the leaders um, will have a robust conversation about that uh, in Mexico City uh, on Monday and Tuesday. Thank you very much, gentlemen here. Thank you, Ambassador Nichols. My name is Justin Margolis with the Quebec office here in Washington. And one of the regional hotspots that we're concerned about is Haiti. Um, I'm wondering if you can expand on any of the regional hotspots, Haiti, Venezuela, and how those will figure into the discussions in Mexico City. So uh, our cooperation uh, with Canada and Mexico uh, to support the Haitian people uh, is longstanding. It forms part of our conversation on a regular basis. Um, all three countries have provided uh, assistance and training to Haitian security forces. Uh, we provided humanitarian assistance uh, to the Haitian people to address the recent cholera outbreak in Haiti. Uh, and we've worked collectively and individually uh, to promote um, reconciliation among the Haitian political class. Um, Mexico uh, has just left uh, its membership, uh, its rotating membership in the UN Security Council while uh, on the council for two years. Um, our Mexican partners worked closely with us uh, on um, Haiti uh, issues. Similarly, Canada chairs the UN General Assembly ad hoc uh, committee on Haiti. Um, Canadian Permanent Representative Bob Ray was was just in uh, Haiti uh, in December, uh, working toward uh, uh, understanding and, and encouraging uh, uh, progress there. The, uh, so the way forward in Haiti does depend on uh, all Haitians uh, coming together to agree on a, a path forward toward elections. Um, while uh, the international community supports Haiti to provide the security necessary to do so. Uh, Prime Minister Henri has uh, a, uh, a, a consensus agreement that is uh, on the table, and many uh, actors in Haitian society have signed on to that agreement. I would encourage um, others to do so, and I would encourage the Prime Minister, as well as other um, leaders of all um, walks of society um, to be flexible in their approach, to work toward consensus, um, to not insist on absolute solutions as they go forward to uh, forge an agreement uh, and a way forward toward elections so that Haitians can vote and select their own leadership. The Western Hemisphere is not at a loss for uh, democratic challenges at the moment. Uh, we encourage the opposition unitary platform in Venezuela and the Maduro regime to come together and continue their negotiations. We welcome the humanitarian agreement that they reached in November and believe that an agreement uh, between uh, the unitary platform and the Maduro regime on political issues towards an election in 2024 
um, that follows uh, democratic norms and standards and adopts the recommendations laid out in the European Union Electoral Observation Mission Report um, is an important way forward and we stand ready to continue to support that effort and we're willing to modify our policies in response to concrete progress uh, and concrete changes by the Maduro regime. Similarly, if there's not progress or backsliding, we can reimpose sanctions. It's not a one-way process. The uh, humanitarian and human rights situation in Nicaragua is critical. Uh, the Ortega Murillo regime's imprisonment of scores of political prisoners under intolerable conditions is deeply worrisome to the international community and the OAS and UN uh, human rights institutions have condemned their actions. We continue to uh, urge the Ortega Murillo regime to uh, release immediately and unconditionally political prisoners in that country. Uh, and if they do so, there will be things to talk about with them. Uh, the All of these topics, uh, not to mention the current um, situation in Peru uh, are all things that I, I'm sure the leaders will touch upon uh, as they uh, talk about uh, the region uh, and our collective efforts to promote democracy and stability uh, in the Western Hemisphere. Thank you very much. We're here with Brian Nichols, who is Ambassador, Ambassador Nichols is Assistant Secretary of State for the Western Hemisphere, and we're taking questions. I want to come to the young lady here, please. Thanks, Ambassador. Um, my question is regarding Mexico. You're just talking about um, the United States and the administration supporting democracies and also talking about democracies and undermining democracies in the region. Are you also going to talk about democracy in Mexico and the changes that are planned at the INE, Instituto Nacional Electoral, um, also press freedom? Uh, more journalists were killed last year in Mexico than in any other country in the world. So are these also going to be uh, topics you're going to talk about during the summit? Well, I, this, this was an earlier question. Um, so I'll just repeat that um, I believe that Mexico has robust institutions. The proposed changes are under debate uh, with Mexico within Mexico's Congress. Uh, Mexico's judiciary has proven itself independent and capable of um, ruling uh, on proposed legislation and changes in that country. Uh, the Mexican press and public openly debate these issues. Um, we always talk about our shared values uh, in North America and the importance and the priority uh, of respect for institutions and fundamental freedoms uh, in our own countries. Um, and around the hemisphere. The United States is by no means perfect. We've seen in our own country challenges. Um, what's today's date? It's January 6th. So um, the, uh, we've seen within our own country challenges to uh, democracy. So um, we discuss these issues uh, from a point of humility and the recognition that none of us 
is safe from these challenges, and that we all have to work together to strengthen each other's democracy as a collective effort, not as one country preaching to another country, but rather as friends and colleagues working together uh, to support each other. We have a gentleman here in this side. Oh, sorry, the microphone's coming. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um, Pedro Casas from the US-Mexico Foundation. Ambassador Nichols, two questions. First, is the topic about the Mexican banning of GMO corn imports to the country gonna be in the agenda? Is this worrisome to you? And second, um, how does the capture of um, Ovidio Guzman yesterday uh, is part of the security discussion uh, across the region, if any. So let me start with the second part first. Um, first, we want to congratulate the Mexican authorities uh, uh, for their um, courageous uh, arrest of Ovidio Guzman. Um, the uh, security challenges that we jointly face uh, are uh, not insignificant and the bravery of Mexican law enforcement, um, police prosecutors, judges, corrections officials, uh, public officials, as we've seen, I'm sure you've seen the same videos that I have about the situation in Culiacan and broader Sinaloa um, in the wake of that arrest, um, demonstrate that uh, it requires significant bravery uh, to carry out these moves. And I congratulate Mexican authorities, the Mexican public for demonstrating that. The uh, our cooperation uh, to address the threat of drug trafficking uh, is uh, deep and broad. Um, one of the first things that I did upon entering into my current position was travel to Mexico um, for our high-level security dialogue and the signing of the Bicentennial Framework on Security Cooperation. Uh, and that framework gives us uh, an agreed way forward to address these challenges. Uh, among the things that our leaders will discuss within that context is the threat of fentanyl, uh, which has quickly become the leading uh, illicit export uh, to the, uh, from Mexico to the United States. Uh, and uh, the cause of the leading cause of death for Americans from 18 to 49. The uh, the cooperation that we have collectively to deal with fentanyl cannot just extend uh, to the United States, uh, Mexico, and Canada. Uh, it requires global effort. The precursors to produce fentanyl come from around the world, and we'll we'll discuss how do we broaden that conversation. The, um, with regard to the issue of corn, uh, similarly, that is a, um, uh, that is a, a trade uh, expert conversation. Uh, it's within its own channel of trade and agricultural uh, experts. We believe that, um, you know, we have uh, ample scientific uh, and um, legal basis for our position that that corn exports exports from the United States to Mexico um, should continue and can do so in a in a safe way that respects um, Mexican law and tradition. 
the but that's a conversation that the experts are having. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that there was a delegation of Mexican officials that came to Washington late last year to have this conversation. Those conversations will continue, but that's in its own track outside the, the Leaders' Summit. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Ambassador Well, I have you. Um, You've mentioned the Summit of the Americas, which the U.S. hosted in June of last year um, a couple of times. How did the summits relate to each other? I mean, that was, in some ways it seems, and, and this is just watching the State Department from the outside, that it's summit after summit after summit, and some of the characters change and the stage changes, but it seems like an ongoing dialogue in a lot of ways. Specifically with Summit of the Americas to this summit, the North American Leaders Summit, how do you see the continuities and maybe discontinuities? What's special about the summit and what continues as a conversation that the President and others have been having for a while? Sure. Um, there are uh, broad themes and specific goals and objectives that continue throughout our foreign policy engagement. Um, you know, you can look at the national security strategy of the United States. You can look at Secretary Blinken's speech on democracy and our relations with the hemisphere in Quito, Ecuador, uh, from uh, October of 21. Uh, and you see that we are working uh, to achieve uh, a number of goals, but the sort of heart of our efforts are delivering better options for average men and women in our hemisphere and making sure that access to opportunity, improved security, and most of all, um, democratic options are available to people in our region. Uh, those conversations, whether they're conversations at a bilateral level, I'll note that while we're in Mexico City, there'll be a, a high-level dialogue between the United States and Honduras in Tegucigalpa that my colleague, the Undersecretary for Citizen Security, Azrazea, will be leading. Um, and many of these same issues will be a, a part of that conversation with Honduras. So um, they, these manifest themselves in all of our engagements throughout the hemisphere. The Summit of the Americas uh, encompassed uh, a year of, uh, well, more than a year of intense negotiations and dialogue um, on uh, shared goals for our hemisphere among 30 plus countries in the region. Uh, and the five pillars that came out of the formal summit process reflect that, whether it's democracy, health care, um, green energy and climate, we're all encompassed in that for all the countries. The United States' role uh, in announcing our own actions in support of that broader agenda was something that President Biden and Secretary Blinken highlighted in their interventions during the Summit of the Americas, and those themes and the specific actions that we are doing to advance them, whether it's supply chain integration, regional migration management, um, supporting democratic institutions, will continue to recur in the engagements that we have. And among the, the conversations and the groups that we bring together to have these conversations, uh, you know, there are no closer partners than Canada and Mexico uh, in these conversations. We don't always agree on every element or every way of accomplishing a goal, but we have deep, meaningful conversations about how to get there, and each country brings real investment and tools to the table uh, to uh, move the ball forward. 
Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm looking for questions from the audience. Are there any? I'm going to steal one more just because I get to. Sorry. Um, and and just ask you a little bit about the second half of the question, which what what do you think makes the North American Leaders Summit special? Of all the summits that the president goes to and all the summits you've organized, I mean, you've been on the sidelines and in the front lines of, of a number of these. What what makes this distinctive, different maybe than some of the others that you've you've seen? Well, the breadth. I mean, just the, you know, the 2021 nows with 40 different deliverables. That's, that's a huge number. Um, and uh, that breadth comes from the fact that our societies are integrated in such a way that really is, is not reflected in our relations with any other countries in, in the world. Uh, the... You know, I, uh, I'm also partial to uh, our friends in the Caribbean, and we have deep relations with them. Uh, but a sea border is not exactly the same as a land border. Uh, and you're from Detroit, yes. and uh, I, I'm sure you've been to a place I like to call Windsor. Um, so the ability to, to get back and forth across our border, um, you know, to be able to drive from Ottawa to Ogdensburg, New York, or uh, from Monterey to Dallas, uh, or Tijuana to San Diego. Um, that integration uh, is a really unique element of our relationship. But more broadly, the, the fact that we are each other's leading trade partners, that there are millions of Americans who can trace their heritage to Mexico. Um, and similarly, there are large uh, American diasporas in Mexico and Canada. I have relatives uh, who are Canadian, shocking as that may be, uh, on, my, on my wife's side of the family. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, that, that is not unusual. Um, so uh, that really makes these exchanges different because it's a conversation that's a family conversation in a way that often you're not having with other nations. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the goodwill to advance um, our, our shared future in those conversations is something that really comes across. And my counterparts from Canada and Mexico, uh, I am in constant contact with them. Um, and um, that has been one of the pleasant aspects of my job is the fact that um, my counterparts uh, from Canada, Michael Grant and Roberto Velasco from Mexico, I, you know, I talk to them all the time, uh, you know, days, nights, weekends. Uh, and um, But those conversations all take place uh, in the spirit of collaboration, and we feel like we're all on the same team, and that, that is really enjoyable. Absolutely. And speaking of the same team, we're all hosting the next World Cup together in 2026. Why, That'll yes. be exciting. A lot of work. There'll be a summit there, too. I'm going to hand it over to my uh, counterpart, the great Andrew Rudman, uh, to close us out. 
Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Assistant Secretary Nichols. Thanks to all of you. Um, I think this has been a, a, a great conversation, and, and really, I think that last question uh, really summed up why we're here and why, why in the Mexico Institute and the Canada Institute we pay so much attention to North America, because it, it really is the most important region for us. Uh, and we're delighted, uh, Assistant Secretary Nichols, that you were able to join us this afternoon. Have a, a great, safe, productive trip to Mexico, and hopefully we can invite you back to get a readout or talk about NALS 12, which, or NALS 11, which we hope will be in Canada. So thank you all. Uh, pleasure to have you here this afternoon. Happy New Year. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Chris, I have to say, you did an excellent job. Oh, thank you, Scotty. And, you know, we both, uh, I got I got my question in there about Nexus, and an interesting answer, 